Hey, Eric, thanks for calling in on this edition of Space Talks. <laughs> so where, Eric, are you calling in from? And tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, I am calling in from my Blue Apron office. I work at Blue Apron. We're at 28 Liberty Street in the Financial District in Manhattan, calling from a little conference room. Um, what was the second question? <laughs> and just tell me what you've been up to recently. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I kind of live a dual life of um, doing corporate finance at Blue Apron. So like financial forecasting, planning, a lot of Excel and PowerPoints, basically. And then, and then my other half of my life is going out and shooting content, interviewing people and turning all of that into little nuggets of video nuggets. Wow. So that's actually really cool. I didn't know you had a the finance background at Blue Apron because my background is actually in like STEM designated management sciences and finance and data. And so that's really cool. I want to talk mm. about that, but mm. maybe separately to this talk. Mm. I don't want us to have to talk about. So what's your favorite regression model? Yeah. <laughs> about VLOOKUPs and pivot tables. Yeah, actually. Uh, but specifically, how did you go from you know, really a finance background to a very interpersonal connection based system of, of interviewing people and talking. And how did you even start there? Yeah. Um, so I guess I, I've always had an interest, like I remember the first video I made was in high school and it was senior year in high school. At that time, YouTube was just starting off. There was this group called Wong Fu Productions. There were these group of Asian guys who made like these music videos. And I was like, that looks fun. And I was like, I want to make a music video. So I made a music video to Maroon 5, She Will Be Loved. And um, it's a whole video that was actually just me processing my own heartache with this girl who didn't love me back. And it was just like, um, and she dies at the end. Uh, I don't want to spoil, spoil, but yeah, she dies at the end. And anyways... It was just fun. Um, we shot it. It was like me, you know, lip syncing and everything. And it was it was well received in the school. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And then and then I went to UCLA for economics um, and just kind of stuck in finance basically for the next 10, 15 years or whatever. And then um, in 2019, uh, in November, uh, November of 2019, my the company I was at got basically my team got canned and um, I got let go and and then the pandemic hit. So for the next eight, nine months, I didn't have a job. And um, and that was really tough just for someone who, you know, went to business school and was like, oh, let me get all these CPA. I, I just like adding letters to my name and, and, you know, prestige and all that stuff. And here I was without a job living in New York City by myself. Pandemic hits. I was just like, man, what do I do with all this free time? And during that time of like reflection and kind of like thinking about what sort of um, impact or, or what my purpose is or just what I really wanted to do. There's just like a little faint of a voice. I was just like, why don't I just start a YouTube channel? Just start making videos. Cause I, I've always been passionate about making videos and, um, and that's kind of, and, and then when I didn't have a job and had all this free time and needed to do something, that's where that started. And also I think during the pandemic, I was kind of starved for social connection because it was like, you know, isolated in my little studio apartment. And so like going out and being able to talk with people. So it just kind of all naturally just kind of came out that the, the internals and stuff were already there, but it, the environment, it, it just needed space. Did you find that people were willing to talk with you 
during the pandemic and like heat of COVID, New York City, the epicenter of of all the chaos in the U.S. that around COVID that people were even wanting to interact with, you know, then strangers. Yeah, definitely. I think if anything more so, everyone was fairly starved uh, as well. Um, and, you know, all the interviews were done outside six feet apart. So like it didn't, never really felt like unsafe. Um, and especially once folks got vaccinated, uh, you know, younger folks from like 20 to like 40, we were pretty, but yeah, like kind of like older folks, I, I was very more conscientious of that. Yeah, no, I definitely hear that. Has there been something surprising when you started out? that you didn't anticipate uh, doing those conversations? Um, I mean, I guess like I never really anticipated anything. I didn't really know where this was going to go. I just, all of this just kind of came about very naturally, I guess, like my desire to start a channel, my desire to go out and talk to people to make content, like all of this just kind of like, naturally fall in place um i guess i am surprised that it was easier for people to open up than i realized hmm. i i didn't realize that i'd be able to get the stories that i got and and i continue to just push that envelope in terms of like i i, I definitely don't try to like make people feel uncomfortable with their sharers or anything like that um but i don't stay away from diving into the harder questions if i feel like they're they're open to it if if they're already sharing a lot if if the boat is ro rolling and like um i think i was surprised that you can have a heartfelt conversation with a stranger and actually what's interesting is that conversations with strangers often lead to more heartfelt conversations than conversation with friends not not like all, all the time but just like the first time you meet somebody obviously your friend friendships like they know you and there's a lot of depth intimacy and like you guys have been around for a long time so that there's that but when you meet a stranger and they're just uh actively listening to you um it's like it's like when i meet for a person for the first time i, I don't know them i everything they're saying i take them at face value take it at face value because i have no other basis to to judge them on and so if they say that like they had a really tough time in high school and they got bullied, I'm like, oh, wow, like I believe you 100 percent. And so I think when that when people see that, it's like. It naturally, you just kind of share more because you're just like, oh, here's this nice guy listening to me and asking me thoughtful questions like. It, it just kind of comes out. Um, so th it, there is a special kind of thing where like when two people don't know each other meet for the first time but are open um it's just different it's different from like a friend to friend conversation because there's so much there's there's a lot of biases there's a lot of like intimate knowledge of each other which is great and also sometimes you just want someone who doesn't know you at all to like listen to your story and then they might be able to reflect something that's like new because it's all it's like a fresh plate yeah i would imagine that it's terrifying to have to go up to somebody that you don't know and ask hey would you be willing to share with me x or y or z about yourself 
do you find that exhilarating? Do you find that nerve wracking? Is that a muscle that you've just had to build over time? Uh, it's definitely a muscle. And the way I built that muscle, um, a little less glamorous way. When I, when I first moved to New York City, I was like, I, I moved to New York City from California. Um, uh, I quit my job from, Cal from California, moved to New York City. I was looking for, like, I heard there were a lot of attractive women in New York City. So that's why I moved over. I was living in San Jose, aka Man Jose. Those of you who don't know, it's like like a five to one male to female ratio. Anyways, so I go to New York City, and once I get to New York, I'm just talking to women on the street, talking to women in bars, and like going through that. That was I didn't realize at the time, but that was training me for these interviews. Now I don't really do that as much, but like back then, I was like going out all the time and like like talking to a, a woman in a crowded subway and being like, hey, how's it going? Like, that is really hard. That is really hard. And so, and then getting rejected is even really like even more painful. Um, I'll tell you one quick story. I remember one time Washington Square Park is like a big park in New York City, middle of the summer, hot day. See this woman in a stunning red dress. She's like walking by herself. I'm like, yeah, go, go over and say hi. She's like walking and she's kind of like an older lady, maybe like in her mid thirties or something, but just walk over and I'm just like, Hey, excuse me. I'm always very like polite with my, my in interactions. I'm just like, Hey, excuse me. And then the moment she, she like turns over and she's like, fuck off, like right in my face. And like, Oh, a couple of people were like standing there, like looking. And I was like, Oh my God. Um, and I imagine what happened was that she had just spent the whole day walking around the city and getting catcalled and was just so fed up with it that like the first guy that like, you know, maybe she was just having a bad day. But it's experiences like those that kind of just gave me a hard skin. Um, I mean, that day I went home and cried. But like after that, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I think so. I don't think I cried. Under every joke is a little bit of truth, Eric. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but I, I definitely hear you. There's a lot of rejection in any work where you put yourself out there. Yeah. And, you know, even for, for me, where we've done a lot of pitch competitions and a lot of, you know, networking events and the ability to just smile through it and just be like, we're good. Yeah. We'll be fine. This is not the end of the world. Like, yeah, that was awkward, but fortunately that has no bearing on my next interaction. Yeah. Uh, you think about statistics and data, that one data point, if they are independent, has no bearing on another data point as long as they're statistically significant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's super interesting. What was the most memorable conversation you've had thus far where you close your eyes at night and you go, wow. Like I, that was something either in a good way or a very, you know, kind of eye-opening way. Yeah. And and I'll add to that previous point. I think that rejection part, that the muscle that's being activated of being able to continue to keep going, um, one is letting go, but two is also like not letting this person's reaction kind of dictate how you view yourself and your own identity. Like, oh, this person just told me to fuck off, but like actually... I'm still good. I'm still Eric. Like, it, you know, when, when someone says no to me, it, it doesn't have any bearing on my like self-worth, which is something that in the beginning, when I first started, it was like, oh my God, I'm a shitty human being if I get rejected. 
But then after a while, you get rejected so many times, you're like, no, actually, like, I'm still the same person. Maybe they're having a bad day. I have no idea. And also you find that, or I found that, and, and this ties me to the interview that um, my most memorable interview, I remember that day I was just standing outside my house. <clears throat> it was like, usually it takes about like uh, 50% of people will say, no, nah, well, 30% 30, 30 of people will say yes to an interview about it's is highly variable but we'll just say a third but then this day it was just like everybody was saying no it was like one after the other i must have gone through like 15 or 20 people but i was also really determined that day for some reason but i, I was like nearing my limit i was like you know what i'm just gonna go home like this is this is not it and some days there are days where it's just like ah, oh, this doesn't the vibes don't feel right the magic's not there it's it's okay i'll, I'll try again tomorrow um and so that i was about to just pick pack up and leave and then and then all of a sudden I hear this woman, she's like, um, she's like, uh, oh, I'm looking for a place to smoke my joint. And uh, I'm like, oh, do you want to just smoke it here? I was just outside my uh, stoop in, in New York City. She's like, uh, sure. I'm like, but if you sit down, you're gonna have to let me interview you. And she's like, okay. And um, there's this woman, her name was Frankie. She lived uh, a mile, uh, an hour outside the city. She was just in the city. She worked for like Uber Eats and was like doing in the middle, in between deliveries. And uh, she's this uh, middle-aged black woman. She's a single mother of, well, used to be four, now it's three. And the moment she sat down, she was like, just so you know, I got a lot of pain in my heart. And I was like, in my head, I was like, ooh, we're about to, <laughs> we're about to cook now. <laughs> like, let's go. And um, basically her son, we met in 2021, her son, one of her sons was shot and killed in July of 2020. So in July of 2020, there were a number of shootings in New York City. It was just like the pandemic was hitting. People were like not happy and um, there were a lot of shootings. And so her son was just was just kind of randomly shot. They never found the uh, killer. And uh, I was basically talking to her um about two years after the incident and um that was like the most real conversation i've had right like talking to a mother who's uh still in the grieving process of losing her son uh in a shooting in a senseless shooting and also like not being able to have any resolution because they never found her killer and it's just like and then you add to the fact like they came from you know she was homeless for many years and it, you know there's poverty at play and like whatever it just um socioeconomic kind of things and it's just like it just it was just very sad i wish i had a better word for that but um but somehow i think in talking with her uh, as she was still grappling with the grief grappling grappling with anger talking about a mother's love for a child a son like stuff that you know i didn't really have experience with but was very curious about I, I think I think what at the heart of all my interviews, the ones that really speak to me, um, are moments where I, I see human beings in like difficult situations and in struggle and trying their best to become like to to get out of it, to to grow, to 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 like fight the fight to uh overcome the suffering and transform the suffering into like light basically i'm basically looking for i'm basically looking for light in these stories um and because i think when i think about like my own personal story and like my own personal obstacles and overcoming those and then when i see other people do the same thing 
it's like from uh, you know for me I, I lost this and she lost this her thing was obviously a lot worse but like it, it was a f similar feeling of loss and seeing her sit with all that and having that pain and suffering continue to mold her um I don't know why that's just, I'm whenever I see that I'm just like this is what it's all about this is what life's about this is why we're here to well actually I don't know what I don't know that's why we're here but that's that's one of the byproducts of 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 us being here is is living through through life and seeing that and um and yeah so it that was just like the most real conversation I had and um we at the end of, at the end I like prayed for her and she was you know crying and it it was a god-given appointment and we both helped each other she helped me realize because this was at a time when my videos weren't really doing that well and nobody was really watching but she helped me realize like hey like what you're doing here even if you're no one cares like it still matters um and so just keep going <laughs> so so that was kind of inspirational for me just to have this conversation and then and then for her so we actually met up a year later, which was three Fridays ago. And so we caught up a year after, you know, so we're Instagram friends and I'm Instagram friends with most of the people I interview. And, um, and yeah, we caught up a year later and she's doing better. She's doing, I would almost say much better. Um, she's able to, she's, the, the grief will always be there, but she's like, she's much more alive now. And, and, um, stronger and and she's like starting a nonprofit and she's like she's like on her life's mission and purpose and so and she was like telling me like hey you know like after we talked that day like I just felt so much lighter and like um I I think what it was for her was that she didn't have anyone to talk to like she had two years of this of like pretty much going through it mostly alone and maybe she has some internet groups or something like that but it was like just for someone to talk to and listen to her it, it opened her up because then she realized she could start sharing these things and that people weren't going to be like oh why are you sharing this this is so sad or whatever but like the right people wouldn't be like that and so it, it opened her up it helped her process i think the prayers helped um and yeah. So even the, her telling me that I was just like, that gave me even more um, mission and fire in, into all these things. And so, so yeah, that's definitely the most um, crazy story, uh, most memorable. Um, we'll release those videos very shortly. I'm thinking about doing like a little four or five part series, like a couple of the videos from last year to catch people up. And then a couple of videos from the new interview to, to show that the change and the growth um but yeah those those are the those are the memorable ones those aren't the ones that go viral the viral ones are like the funny ones two little kids talking about hitting on women or something or like a british man like pooping on america like those those are the viral ones and, and i appreciate those and i love those as well um because they bring the people in to watch the kind of deeper ones the deeper ones don't don't hit the algorithm so good but like but would you would you say though that those are also deep but in a different way because when i hear about you know when i've seen your videos and the conversations 
about the little kids and how they hit on women. I think it's almost emblematic of conversations that children are having about, you know, the other gender. Mm. And like, there's a narrative there or even about, you know, someone who's traveling or maybe even from a different country now living in the U.S., international perception of the U.S. and like current politics. Now, I mean, I think there's something to be said there, too, of these conversations really shine a light on different aspects of a psyche and and beliefs. And I I don't know. So I I would push back and say, like, I, I think all of the content has you know, very deep um, insights. It's just maybe in a different light. And sometimes a lot of humor covers seriousness rather than just seriousness shining for the seriousness that it is, um, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. But that's that's really interesting. I was going to ask too on, on that, on her story specifically, do you ever have conversations with people and you go, I don't want to share this or like, I think this has to be shared, but I want to provide sensitivity, you know, to someone's story. Is that like they're consenting from the minute they're on camera to sharing everything and that what they share, they know can and will be you know, posted to the, to the ethers. Um, yeah. When I'm in the editing room, editing program, um it doesn't come up a ton but i i will kind of withhold things that they're like oh i broke up with my boyfriend and his boyfriend and her my boyfriend was really into some kinky stuff with foot fetishes i don't know whatever some some intimate personal detail that doesn't really add to the story yeah that i might i just might not include that um but for the most part i don't find that people share too kind of embarrassing or or yeah, where this kind of comes into play too often. I would also say and ask too, what's something yeah. you learned about yourself by having these different conversations? And I really appreciate, Eric, how intentional you are on like answering. So the pauses is Eric thinking, and I really just want to highlight how much I appreciate that because I know you're putting a lot of thought into what you're saying. So I just appreciate that. That's a really cool feature. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, I was hoping we would just like cut the uh, blank space and then I can just could do that too if you'd like. <laughs> Let me tell you, Danya. No, because I think a lot of conversations, people, yeah. and I, you know, I'm guilty of this too when I'm being interviewed or during conversations, you build the plane while you're flying <laughs> and i i really appreciate the intentionality i like that maybe yeah, I'll, I mean, I'm gonna take I, a from that. <laughs> no it's because i appreciate the question i think that's a really good question i i it's not the first time i've been asked that but like it's it's also something that i feel like there is a there's a truthful answer there that i'm not aware of um because what i will say it, the answer i give most people is like oh i've learned that I learned that I've have I have the ability to to talk with strangers and listen to their stories. I I have um uh an ability to to ask good questions. But I feel like there's something deeper deeper somewhere that I I some whereby like I've grown 
from hearing people's stories as well. And I, what it kind of feels like, it feels like there's something to do with like seeing myself in their stories. Mm. Like this woman lost her, her son. I, I lost, I, I got out of a, a long-term relation once and that kind of was a similar feeling of loss. Um, and seeing her go through her letting go process kind of, uh, when I see similarities in my story and other people, I think it makes me realize, makes me learn things about myself and be like, oh yeah, that's that's what I did too. Oh yeah, that's what I had to go to as go through as well. Um, so I think it helps me better understand myself sometimes. Yeah, and I think a lot of human experiences are shareable experiences, and it was a, a pill for me to swallow in, in conversations I've had of, you know, a, a lot of the uniqueness that we have in mm -hmm. our experiences is, is nuanced and there mm -hmm. are shared life experiences, maybe very different uh, in execution, but shared experiences of, of the human experience, you could argue. Um but we've talked a lot about your storytelling and, and whatnot, but do you have other passions that you're currently working on or exploring as well? Um, Maybe that someone might not necessarily know by just looking at the work that you do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of live a, a uh, varied life. I, I don't want to sound uh, pompous or anything, but. I'm a little bit of a, I feel like I have like a Renaissance man kind of vibe. Like um, used to take some Argentine tango classes. Uh, I played the viola growing up. My mom was a pianist. So um, viola was a big thing for me growing up. I played in symphonies and uh, throughout high school and college. And I still play, I play for my church um, on the worship team at church play the guitar, um, picked it up in high school to ask a girl out to prom and was like, oh my God, this works. So I was like, let me put some work into a guitar, uh, not just viola. So pretty musically inclined. Um, and then I guess like with uh, church um, and with my faith, pretty passionate about, it's weird to say I'm passionate about my faith, but like there's a lot of time and energy spent in, in that arena as well. And that's something that's been more kind of reactivated in the past six, seven years, not something in my whole life, but that's some, that's a big part of my life as well. And um, yeah, I'd say between music and faith and videos and work and friends, uh, social life, and then an occasional date here or there that about, Oh, and then working out that about sums up my life. I love that. And I want to just touch on quickly before we kind of wrap up and I give you last note um, on, you know, anything that you want to share that we haven't discussed with the community, but dating in New York sounds like a beast <laughs> in the sense that there's the element of choice, mm. which I think dating apps have just augmented. Mm. Uh, and I think our generation, that's a whole other conversation, but have really in sometimes fallen prey to the element of choice in dating and 
you know, New York does, I think, statistically have more women than men and incredible, you know, women and, you know, incredible men as well. What's been your experience? Is it all you had hoped for when you were in uh, San Jose? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, anything is better than San Jose. Um, it's you heard it here, hard. New York City endorsed. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd say it's a lot of fun, right? I think most people who move to the city in the first two couple of years will be like, oh yeah, dating is great, meeting all these new people, and and it's all great. I think after a while, you start. I start wanting to look for something more serious uh look for someone who's compatible with me and aligned on my values and 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 all that stuff and from that sense then it can be difficult it can be difficult and that will be difficult in any city but i think in new york it feels there's this kind of sense of like dang there's so many people here and i'm i still can't find somebody like what what is going like surely out of a hundred, you know, whatever, like as a finance guy, you start thinking statistics, but I don't know. Like, I feel like it should be easy, not easy, but like not hard. And so I like, I'm at a point now where I don't go as many on as many dates as I did before, because I'm not really interested in, you know, short-term whatever. And, you know, one, two, it, like, it's just, I'd rather spend time on other stuff now. Um, so I, I think where I'm kind of at now, I'm just kind of like, given that it shouldn't be that hard and that it's not happening, my sense is that it's just not my time yet. And maybe this then gets into some sort of spiritual kind of component. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm just trying to be open-minded, but also... Uh, what am I trying to say? I I think I'm just waiting for someone special. Um, I, yeah, and it could be from a dating app. I'm not on dating apps as much, but I feel like it'll be from something else. Yeah, I hear the story. I hear you. I think that would make for a very interesting storyline if yeah. you were to explore that too. Oh, what do you mean? Like, I think that would be really cool to maybe have a video series of you talking through your dating experiences because of the people I've spoken to in, you know, our generation that are dating and myself included, I will tell you it's hard and you touched right on the head of it of just trying to find, you know, a commonality that aligns with where you are in life right now and the values that you want or have that you also want in a partner, you're touching on where I'm at, Eric. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it's a real, it's a real thing. And and I think when you juggle so many things at once, oftentimes dating can take second priority and I don't know. I I recently was going through my old notes on my computer and I found a note I had written to an ex-boyfriend right after we broke up mm. talking about how this was this was yesterday talking about how much 
I was growing my company and I missed having him to share it with. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. read this now, you know, five years later going, my God, <laughs> like common thread of the human connection similar, but, you know, God bless him. We, we appreciate all of the past partners and, you know, experiences and lessons. Wait, so you were like, my God, because you were like, Donnie was such a different person back then or what, what was the my God part? I don't, I wouldn't say necessarily different person because the, the common thread is the same. I, I, the sentiment is, is similar then and now of the journey we're on as creators, entrepreneurs, innovators, storytellers, all the, all the above is unique and special. And there's something to be said about having somebody who may not necessarily understand fully what you're doing but the why um, and want to support you rather than you just being on a, you know, oftentimes the journey of, of someone doing something different can be isolating mm-hmm. and is isolating. So the yeah. sentiment being similar, well, it's nice to have somebody that appreciates you and all the work you're putting in for something that others may not fully understand is still there, but it's the who <laughs> that you go, Oh, interesting. Like this was who was I who I envisioned that with oh. years ago. It was like a time capsule almost, which I thought was kind really? of cool. Okay. So you feel like you're just like, oh, that was an interesting person that I was into five years ago. That's the that was a thought. Yeah, or even just finding notes that you had written to yourself five years ago and it yeah. transports you back to that point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think that's kind of a cool concept. Uh, but I saw that yes- yesterday, literally, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, that's a little weird. Uh, it was definitely a vibe. But Eric, I want to give you the floor um, on just any thoughts that any really exciting projects that are upcoming or anything that you'd like to share to community we haven't shared yet. Uh, no, to be honest, I feel like we covered a lot of ground. Um, I, I nothing comes to mind. I, I, I think I joined this group like a month or two, two, three months ago. So I still haven't really met in person, a lot of people. So I'm just looking forward to whenever our trip is and, and hopefully meeting some folks and, um, uh, hearing some of their stories. Awesome. Maybe getting a video if they're open to it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Uh, Well, Eric, thanks so much for joining us for this week's Space Talks. We love having you in the space community and you're incredible and all the work you do is awesome. So I'm excited to get to continue to share your story too. So thank you. Thank you. And Eric and Danya signing off. Bye.